Hey, welcome to the Jesus, Sex, and Politics podcast. I'm Micah. I'm Nathan. And here we talk about all the things the culture doesn't want to talk about. And that might scare you. Today we are, not not speaking of scaring you, I was going to say, today we have a good <laughs> friend here. He won't scare you. He's a great guy, super nice guy. It is former Indiana Attorney General, Mr. Curtis Hill. Thank you for being here, Curtis. Thank you, Mike and Nathan, and I have been known to be a little scary. <laughs> <laughs> well, right now you look great, and uh, and it's it's exciting to have you here it's today. It's an honor. Yes. Yep. Thank you for taking the time. Thank you for having me. Yep. So so you were attorney general for four years. You yep. got elected in 2016, I believe. Right. That's correct. Yep. You were you won the largest uh, vote count in Indiana history of any statewide candidate. I think in the history of Indiana, isn't that, that was right? Correct. Yeah. That's right. You don't want to brag or anything. No. I'll, no, I'll, I'll no. brag. I'll brag for you. No. So. <laughs> Just a lot of hard work. We we worked the state very 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 well i think yeah. and it, it's it was from personal relationships yeah. we went from tip to stern uh, all over the place and people got to know me you know it's interesting when you're in, in political office and a statewide office the number of people who don't know what that office does mm-hmm. i used to hear what does the attorney general do so we would have to explain that but politics is really about engagement it's about connecting with people and they have to feel uh, the, the authenticity. I mm-hmm. think that's the, the the key word for me right now in terms of politics is, are you authentic? Mm-hmm. I think it's what we saw that was successful for uh, uh, for Trump when he ran. Um, I think that's one of the the uh, the, uh, the keys to Ronald, Ronald Reagan's success. You believed that Ronald Reagan believed what he said he believed. Mm-hmm. And that authenticity is what people are after. Um, and when they don't get it, and, and, and we're seeing a lot of that in the, in the world today, there's a lot of mistrust, mm-hmm. um, a lot of, of just not knowing who to turn to because there, there doesn't seem to be the, the level of authenticity in, uh, in many of the offices that That's we right. see today. Yeah. We see that in the faith world as pastors. People are looking for real. Mm-hmm. They don't want fluff. They don't want, you know, the bedazzled, the entertainment factor. They just want real. And, and you don't have to just tell people what they want to hear. Yeah. I mean, people can see through that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So um, today, one of the reasons we wanted to bring you on the show is because we want to kind of hear your thoughts on where um, conservatives and and really specifically maybe the church, I mean, you're a believer and and you're not a pastor, but you do have, I think, some good good insight on maybe the church's role and how we should engage um, the conservative movement. And, you know, politics is a game. Nobody's going to Nobody's going to deny that. There's a lot of strategy. There's a lot of gamesmanship that goes into politics. Um, so you got to you got to be um, as as uh, as smart or as uh, shrewd as a serpent, but as innocent as a dove is what Scripture tells us. So I I wanted to bring you in because I'm like you're you're shrewd. You understand a lot of how to get things done. What is your perspective on where we're at specifically, maybe even in Indiana, but as a nation, and and then how we should be approaching this this next year of elections or even policy, working with the inner city. I mean, you're you're a minority, you're a black guy, and so you, you've got a great insight into the inner city urban mindset. And you've told me in the past, a lot of, a lot of minorities are very conservative. Um, they just, the messaging usually doesn't get to them, and, or we do a bad job as communicating that message. So I'd love to hear your take, and, and maybe we could just jump off there and, sure. and go, go from, from that. Well, to go back on what you said when you started the show in terms of scary, it is scary the state of America right now. Uh, I used to talk about America in this as a, a divided nation. We are literally two 
separate nations at mm-hmm. this point. And this has been going on for the last 20 years. I uh, go back to the presidential election in 2000. I participated in the in the uh, Gore-Bush uh, recount, um, uh, of course, on behalf of President Bush. But that demonstrated a, a, an, an almost even split in the political landscape that has actually stayed true for the last 20 years. Mm. It's been amazing. Um, and rather than just a split country, we've become so polarized, so deeply divided, that it really feels like we're living in two separate societies. Mm -hmm. And that's a difficult challenge because we're looking at how do we bring things together and why is that important? The United States of America will never be brought down by another nation or a group of nations. If we are to be brought down, we'll be brought down by ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a house divided. That was that's Abraham right. Lincoln, right? And, yeah. and that's what we are. We're a house divided. So the scary part is not only what can we do, it's if we can. How how deep is the division? These are not, these are not little points. Um, and so I think it's imperative that those of us who believe— uh, in America, we believe in the Constitution, we believe in the founding documents, we believe in the promise of America. Uh, and, and the promise of America is of a more perfect union, mm-hmm. not a perfect union, a more perfect union. It's in the Constitution. What that means is this country was built upon uh, an ideal that wasn't even in place at its founding. Mm-hmm. It was a guidepost as to what we can what we can believe and what can happen, what can grow. As we go forward. As we go yeah. forward. And We've got elements in this country today that are out to literally uh, destroy that concept, the the concept of America. Those who are out there saying America was is no good, was never any good, will never be any good, turn your back on America, let's start something new. That is a completely different mindset than what we've been familiar with in the last uh, in the previous centuries, and and this has been developing in the last. Uh, 20, 30 years, uh, maybe a little bit longer, but it, the, the the urgency of the movement. And so where we are right now as conservatives, uh, we're up against it. We have our backs against the wall because this is not a, a slight political maneuver. This is an opportunity to, and it's being well executed, to take us out for good, mm. um, to to get to a point where, and, and, and it's being done through cancel culture. It's being done by by putting things out there that we can't speak about. Because if you speak about this issue, you're a bigot, you're a racist, you're a sexist, you're this, you're that. And everything is, is take them out of the knees. Mm-hmm. So we're not in talking about engaging in debate where you can have a spirited and lively conversation and shake hands and, and be friends and be neighbors and be Americans. It's all out blood warfare. And we're not done until one of us is dead. Mm. That is a problem. That is scary. So um, what do we do about it? We have to find people who, you know, the good news about the three of us, we have have a unified belief in God. We have a belief in our nation. Uh, We have a belief in people resolving their problems. And ultimately, this is a matter of bringing the right people, the uh, the right individuals who think correctly on solving the problems that will result in America being stronger, more effective, and not just a, a leader in this for our nation, but a leader for the world, which is what America's purpose is, as I believe is divined by God. Mm-hmm. We yeah. had a, we, we heard a man speak recently, and he was talking about uh, Isaiah chapter one, I think it's verse 18, and it's come, let us reason together. Mm. 
right? I mean, before God gave us the word of God, he gave us our minds Mm -hmm. to understand, you know, how does God work? Well, I think reason and logic are the invention of the, of the mind of God, right? It's, it's who he is. And when he says, come, let us reason together, uh, that assumes that the person that you're talking to is reasonable, speaks the language of (laughs) reason. It almost feels like we have two totally different languages being spoken where how do I look, if you can kill a baby outside the womb, how do I even talk to you? That's right. You know, like if you, if you believe that we're going to, we're going to punish American citizens who pay their taxes for showing up at school board meetings and we're going to go after them with the FBI or we're going to challenge groups for getting started with, with the IRS that we're going to sick people on them. Like if you're going to weaponize things like that, how do we even, how do we discuss this rationally? Because you're not being rational. Well, that's it, it, that's exactly the point. And and, and you mentioned the, uh, the that quote, "Come, let us reason together." In, in the courthouse in my home county, in uh, Elkhart County in Goshen, those words are up above the door, and that's the that's the the, the basis, the foundation of the justice system, being reasonable, reasoning. And where is the reason? Um, it is a matter of of we do it my way, and that's the only way, and no objective standard. Um, we, we're being told that truth hmm. doesn't matter anymore. Um, or it matters. It's just, you can have whatever truth you want to have. Well, it's moral relativism. Well, or, yeah. or, or, or it'll be your truth, but not my truth. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 n- there's no objectivity, mm-hmm. uh, to, to that process. Yeah. yeah. There, there's no authority. Yes. Right. So, right. so opinion, we can all have our opinions and that's fine. But who cares at the end of the day? I ultimately, somebody has to say, and this is the way it is. And I think that's when God speaks, that's truth. Well, and, and you mentioned uh, briefly um, what uh, uh, General Garland, the uh, attorney general, is doing with the FBI, um, uh, suggesting that it's a... a Domestic a, terrorism. That, that it's the right of the FBI or the, the authority of the FBI to uh, investigate threats uh, on local school boards. There's absolutely no authority to take such action. The only purpose for that, in my estimation, is to intimidate uh, those who would disagree with the Biden administration on policies with regard to what's being taught in educational uh, systems. That's, that is not what we're about. And that feeds the, the fervor and the, divis- the divisiveness, because if we get to a point where we can't even have faith in the FBI or the Justice Department, we are lost, and we that's exactly what's happening. You know, can we even? Tr- I, I'm trying to decide if we're Venezuela already. You know, can we trust our elective, our, our, our election process? You know, I I don't know that I. You know, every time I hear that how many votes Biden got, I'm like, uh, <laughs> 81 million, you know, the most in American I'm, history. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm like, mm. I couldn't get 20 people out to his rally. <laughs> <laughs> if if we can't believe in the in the systems that we agreed on. Then, then what do we have at the end of the day? You know, like you said, we're really two nations. We have like, chaos, which is exactly where we're at. It's where we're at. It's what's desired. It's the chaos that's desired to take us apart. So it's this is not an accident. That there are there are those who are out there who are who are rubbing their glee, their little hands together, and it's, this is a diabolical plot 
to restart America in someone else's own image. Mm -hmm. And it, it could be successful because it has had a great deal of weight put behind it by, by putting our mouths, uh, closing our ability to stand up and say something. Mm -hmm. uh, so many people have quiet conversations about, oh, I wish this, I wish that. But you don't hear a whole lot of people speaking up mm -hmm. out Publicly, front. Yeah. Uh, and I don't want to, I mean, I, I get it. You know, I'm a public figure. I say things, uh, you know, I, I get swiped at all the time. Most average people are not used to uh, taking lumps like that. Mm -hmm. And these lumps are permanent. You know, mm -hmm. somebody can say something today uh, that they didn't intend to have uh, ill consequences. Someone takes offense to that. They lose their Twitter account. Uh, they lose their job. Uh, they, they have people coming to their, to their front door because everybody knows where they live. Uh, that's a lot of pressure mm -hmm. that the average person doesn't quite know how to handle. And that's the kind of pressure that people are dealing with today. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what do we do as, as, I mean, a lot of this audience listening to Jesus, Sex, and Politics is is Christian and conservative. And um, and so what would your advice be to those people saying, okay, wh what could they do? The average Joe, the average mom, the just the, the, the good-hearted, patriot, God-fearing American— what would your advice be to them, like practical steps to get our country back on track? Well, the first step is to put on the brakes, look at the mirror and and stop and say, I'm going to do something. I'm going to be involved. I'm not going to take a back seat. I'm not going to keep my mouth closed or my eyes closed. Uh, just being prepared to be engaged. Mm -hmm. uh, but in doing so, um, we have to be prepared properly. Um, uh, we just can't get into a fight for the sake of fighting. We have to have a strategic plan. And, and, and part of that ultimately means how do we bring the nation together? How do we bring our factions together? Um, I think the church has uh, a vital role to play because it's imperative that the nation uh, restore its moral fiber, uh, its, its backbone, its, its objective standard. Mm. Uh, and uh, I think of no better people than those who are people of faith who recognize the value of that. Um, it doesn't mean that we're perfect, and people of faith understand that. We've all fallen short, and that's a standard. So um, it's so easy to offend these days. And one of the things that I tell people, um, look in the mirror and look at yourself. I'll give you an example. Uh, people will say to me all the time, uh, particularly white conservatives, they'll say, well, Curtis, um, I, 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 I'm not a racist. Uh, I've never done anything to anybody. Why, <laughs> why am I getting the blame for this? And I say, well, you know, I don't think you're a racist and it's, it's not about that, but I won't talk about you. I'll talk about myself. If I see a black guy walking down the street with his hat on backwards and his pants hanging down so I can see the crack of his tail. And, and you know what I'm saying? That was thinking? Nathan. That was Nathan, that was yesterday. Nathan. yesterday. Yeah. I, I, and I'm My thinking, mom would have beat me. Well, I'm, and I'm thinking drug dealer. I'm thinking gangbanger. Now, that's not fair. Yeah. Because I don't know this person. I've made a value judgment based on my own experience and what I see. And I've judged that person. I've prejudged the person. This is me. This is Curtis talking. Mm -hmm. By the same token, if I see a white guy walking down the street, bald head, tattoos up his neck, on his knuckles, I'm thinking white supremacist. Mm -hmm. Now, the guy could be a Sunday school teacher for all I know. But that's what I'm thinking because I'm putting this image to, together 
And the thing is, we all do it. We all categorize people, rightfully or wrongfully. Uh, you know, if you're going to go play a pickup game of basketball and you got some white guys and some black guys, who do you want on your team? <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys ever see the movie uh, White Men Can't Jump? Yeah, Did you see that? The hustle, the hustle, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, or if you have a, you know, if you have a math problem, I mean, uh, you know, there's, there's, there are some groups who are considered more, uh, more studious at math. Yeah. So we all, it could be absolutely wrong, but we all have a tendency to do that. I bring this up to people because I want them to empathize. I want them to understand we all engage in prejudgment. Mm-hmm. So don't make the blanket statement as a white conservative, don't walk into the black community expecting someone to be bowled over by your statement that you've, you're not a racist. You may not be one, but we all prejudge and we have to be sympathetic to or empathetic to that plight. So part of it is recognizing what we can say and not say that will allow us to start bridging some gaps. Maybe, maybe a good thing to tell people is, hey, do your very best to give everyone the benefit of the doubt. Absolutely. So that's kind of a, we've lost the benefit of the doubt, right? Like in, in just many, many areas, right? Like we instantly say, oh, I'm, I know what that person's thinking. I know what that person is. I, yeah. I bet that person, if I said this, I bet they would say this. And you have these like arguments in your mind with that person and they they don't even know that's going on. And you they have, never had a chance. And they never had a chance, yeah. And, yeah. you know, uh, to the point of, of how often we get this wrong, you know, yes. is uh, the, the I, I've been quoting this scripture a lot the last year. It's from, it's from the book of Kings. It says, only God knows the hearts of the sons of men. Mm-hmm. And yet we like to call, well, you're this, you're that, you're, you know, a bigot, homophobe, you know, uh, misogynist, whatever else you want to say. You don't know my motive, my heart. You can't actually know that until I tell you mm-hmm. what it is, right? But but we we need to handle it far more humbly to say that, hey, we might be completely off base with the motive of their heart. The, the Bible says it's 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 out of the mouth that the heart speaks. Yeah. So let's listen to what they have to say. So you can see the right? fruit of the tree. It's not wrong to judge the fruit of the tree from the perspective of, I know that that fruit's not good because I'm hearing what you're saying or seeing what you're doing. You know, you judge the actions of, you know, let's just say a murderer or a rapist or something like that. Right. It's like, hey, there was, there was certainly... There was evidence There was that, evidence of right? that, yes. But before that, yeah. let's, let's at least handle it humbly enough not to throw that on somebody yeah. and realize we, we're not getting it all right. Mm-hmm. And we do, you know, judgment is not something, uh, even we use the word discrimination as a bad word. To discriminate is to think something through, to 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 look at it at it and and measure something, yeah. right? It it means something bad in our culture today, but to discriminate means to think something through. Discriminating is it's it's making a choice based on information that you have. That's exactly it, right. It, it has been it has become a byword for something completely uh, bad. But the word is inappropriate discrimination. That's mm-hmm. that's what that's we're looking right. for. Yeah. yeah. But you know, you know the um, uh, this goes back to after nine eleven. You know, there was the uh, um, the the transportation trans uh, transportation um, uh, administrate or the department. They were uh, how'd they say it? They were um, profiling. That's the word I was looking for. Sure. Remember, they were profiling, yeah. and they were profiling Middle Eastern twenty to forty year old men. 
And there was this, this huge uprising when, or uproar when people found out about that. Oh my goodness, how could you profile? That's so unfair. If you're not going to search the little old grandma who's 94 years old walking through, if you're not going to search her, you shouldn't really search the, the Middle Eastern man. And to which I responded, said, listen, I, I don't see the 94-year-old grandmas, you know, bringing down buildings in New York City. So I think there's an element of, no, we have to recognize the world we live in. There is, there is wisdom in, in appropriate, and I don't want to say discrimination because that's going to be something that people like, you know, pull out later and, and like, but, but appropriate analysis, right? Like you're, you're analyzing the situation. Now that doesn't mean you think every Middle Eastern man is, is bad, but you're saying, Hey, listen, there was a time and place where white Christian men were blowing up Planned Parenthoods. And, and while I think that's absolutely wrong, if someone came up to me and said, Hey, you're close to a Planned Parenthood right now, you fit the description of the people that have been really hurting people. Can we just check your bag? I would be fine with that. I would say, yes, please do that. I want you to know I'm not part of this problem. I don't think it's right to go blow up a Planned Parenthood, right? So there's this element of we, we just said, hey, you can't judge anything you see. And everything you get, you almost have to walk around with your eyes closed is what culture is saying. Well, and, and, and we have to get away from that. I mean, in, in the criminal justice system, uh, which I spent a number of years as a prosecutor, um, it's imperative if you're going to have proactive law enforcement, you'd have to identify where crime is occurring yeah. and place your resources yeah. there. Yeah, because you can't, and, can't and, be everywhere. No, you can't be everywhere. Yeah. So you identify the high crime areas, you identify the high crime targets. So if you have a target that, that represents an individual of a particular ethnicity, a particular uh, set of clothing, colors, things of that nature, that goes into play in terms of anticipating crime because our objective is to prevent as much crime as possible. Doesn't do us a great deal of good to, to come in after the crime has occurred. We'll do that, hold people accountable. But the idea is to try to prevent that, that criminal behavior. So we have to be realistic about what that about what that entails. And that's a part of what's gone by the wayside now as well. Uh, we've got crime in this nation uh, 30, uh, I think a 30% spike in violent crime in the last year, highest, uh, one year rise in crime yeah. since 1968. Yeah. Where is it out mostly happening? It's mostly happening in the large urban areas, uh, where, gee, guess what? They defunded the police. <laughs> Shocking. They said they didn't Shocking. want police anymore. Where were the police, where were the police going? The police were operating in high crime neighborhoods. Where are the high crime neighborhoods? Unfortunately, the high crime neighborhoods are often in minority neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. So who's getting the police protection? Minority interests. Yeah. The violent crime wave has hit these big cities. And the other problem that we have in these big cities is they're being uh, they're they're being managed by prosecutors who ran on this concept of social justice. Uh, that they were going to identify particular levels of crime or particular areas of crime. And we're not going to enforce those crimes because that's just not socially appropriate. Well, that's crazy. Um, our legislatures, which represent us, have identified statutes, crimes that they say people don't, we don't need people doing these things. Mm -hmm. That's on our benefit. And we need our prosecutors to make sure that they're enforcing those statutes mm -hmm. and not uh, becoming the social police. So it's, it's, there's lots of, there's lots of trouble. The, 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 the main thing that we need to do from the church community, know the truth, begin speaking the truth, make sure that we're not a part of the problem, and also reach out and, and let people understand what you're all about. Um, I just returned from a, a, a great meeting in Washington, D.C., the Center for Urban Renewal and Education, CURE. And it was a, a, a pastor summit. They had uh, black pastors from all over the nation, 
uh, at this summit. And, and, and it, it really touches me because, and Mike and you and I have talked about this as you touched on earlier, um, many in the black community are very conservative. They are. Um, and uh, believe in God, believe in prayer, believe in life, believe in family. And when I mean family, they, a, a family led by fathers. Mm -hmm. They believe that wholeheartedly. And yet um, many in the black community vote against those values that I just enumerated. And so the question becomes, why is that? Why do we have so many people who are conservative-minded voting against that value? Because they've placed a higher value on fighting racism. And they have, for whatever reason, determined that the conservative movement or the Republican Party or anybody but who the Democrats represent is uh, um, racist. racist yeah. And uh, much of that is a, 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 a historical, I, I believe, misinformation, but it has been entrenched in the minds of so many. And so one of the things that we have to do is work with the leadership in the black communities, which are largely black ministers, who are they themselves conservative, and say, don't be afraid to stand up in your pulpit and talk about the things that are destroying your community and encouraging people to examine which way to go. Identify your values and vote your values. Yeah, uh, forget about the politics. Vote your values. I don't care if it's a Democrat or Republican. If you believe in life, then support a candidate who supports life. If you believe in God and you believe in prayer, support a candidate that would support prayer. If you believe in parenting, fathers uh, taking the lead in their communities, then vote for the candidates that espouse these, these uh, ideas. And that's the first step. Um, and I think it's, it's uh, I, I was very encouraged by the process that I was at in D.C. I'm going to continue to work with that group. But those are things that we can do here in Indiana as well. It's good. That's good. Um, you, um, a little plug here, you're going to be speaking in a couple weeks to, uh, at Life Church, November 1st, and, and actually October 31st, so you're going to be down and, mm -hmm. on Sunday and Monday, but you were with Mark Little, yes. who's another black man, a pastor and lawyer from out in California, yes. but sits under Jack Hibbs at his church, and, and he, does, he does phenomenal work in that too. And, and so you guys were both at this event yes. out in D.C. Uh, last or a week and a half ago, and and uh, it's encouraging to hear, because I've talked to Mark a little bit about it as well. And, you know, you both will be at Noblesville um, on, on October 31st, November 1st. But we, uh, we're excited to see there's a movement of leaders like yourself helping the conservative movement be better communicators and to engage more effectively in that urban community. Well, here's why it has to be. I mean, this is not a option. This is an absolute vital necessity for the survival of America, and I'll tell you why. The, the demographic of the conservative movement um, uh, is dying. Uh, as I like to say, we're not growing old white men on trees anymore. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, and, and that has been the typical demographic. The, the country is browning, uh, increasing its, its, its melon. Uh, the, the country's getting younger. And if we don't identify ways in which we can be attractive to younger people, to browner people, and grow our demographic, mm -hmm. we go nowhere and we don't save this country. This country's not gonna be saved by that other nation. That other nation is not interested in saving our America. Mm -hmm. That other nation is interested in creating something completely totally different. totally new one, yeah. Mm -hmm. so, so we, it's not a choice. When we're talking about going after um, the black community, it's not just some political ploy. It's basically identifying people who share our values and say, "Come join us and help us save this nation." Yeah. So it's a, it's yeah. it's an imperative move. In the in the you know in some of the same ways, 
the, the, we've got to be reaching the Hispanic community. Absolutely. Because in, in many cases, they're coming from a Catholic background. They're pro-life. They're pro-family. They're pro-hard work. They're pro-capitalism. They didn't come here because everything was rosy in their countries. They they came here because they wanted a chance for a lot something of them saw even better. Socialism you know? at work, and they were like, "We yeah, don't want we, this. We want yeah. out of here, yeah. right?" And, and but when you're throwing money, it seems like when government is trying to buy votes, they're, they, you you need me. I used to love how Rush Limbaugh used to say it. He used to say, "Conservatism is like walking to a road with traffic." And instead of reaching out your hand, like like uh, like what what liberalism does, it says you can't make it across this road without me. I'll hold your hand and take you across. Conservatism says, "Well, look both ways mm-hmm. and and risk a little bit and learn how the traffic flows and get across there yourself." Yeah, you know. But uh, you're so unloving. How could you I say that about someone crossing? They need help, Nathan. I I. I, I I, f- I f- you're you're bigot. You're a racist. No, I'm not going to let you finish. You're a racist. <laughs> you are a racist. I win. Well, you, well you, you you both have seen the clip out there with Malcolm X where he describes the uh, the uh, conservative and the liberal, and he says that the 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 white liberal has been far and away the biggest threat to Black America mm-hmm. as opposed to the conservative. He described the conservative as the wolf who you see coming, but the the liberal. On the other hand, their friend, it was like the fox with mm-hmm. a sly smile. Uh, yeah. And you let the fox in the hen house and, and you get destroyed. I mean, uh, that's a very, uh, if you look at what's going on today, it's that liberal mindset that wants to throw money at a problem and buy votes and, 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 and build it that way. They, they're not interested in, in the freedoms that will allow for new people to come into this country and grow organically into uh uh, the productive people that they can be. Look at what happened with the Cubans in, uh, in the 1980s. Um, they came here in droves uh, in Florida. Virtually all conservative. Why? As you mentioned, Nathan, yeah. they, they, they're believers in God. Mm-hmm. Strong, strong family people. Mm-hmm. Uh, industrious. Well, that's conservative all over. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, and it, so the natural thing is to, is to all, just let them do their thing and they will be our natural advocates. Well, the other side, uh, they recognize that. They try to keep everybody from who's coming in. They try to, well, if you're brown, you're poor, and you're broke, and you want to be that way forever. Who wants to be broke forever? <laughs> the, the idea is you want to lift yourself up. You want to move forward. You want to move in that direction. And that's what freedom is all about. Freedom, family, uh, religion, education, entrepreneurship, free. That's what we have to be focusing yeah. on as we're moving forward and, and developing uh, plans for what the church can be doing to encourage and incite uh, a forward-thinking movement. It seems like uh, it seems like what everybody wants to do is make a victim out of somebody. Oh boy! And and that's I I, I hate that mentality. My son just graduated from from basic training uh, last weekend, and uh, and so I, I saw a thousand seventy four um, young people who made it through uh, that that regiment building mm-hmm. up, right? 40,000 young, or 40,000 of the 80,000 that are going to come through uh, the U.S. Army every year come through Fort Jackson. And and so it was it was interesting to watch my my son. There's, you know, every, every color of America was there. There was, we were, it was almost like a church service, this graduation in many ways. We sang the songs together. We listened to the message together. And the, and the, and the young people stood up and they shouted out 
the soldier's creed. There wasn't a word of the soldier's creed that was any kind of victim mentality. It was, we know who we are. We're ready to fight and destroy our enemy. We're disciplined. We will, we will lay down our lives. It was so, it was so powerful. And you know, they call that military doctrine, right? Mm -hmm. This is military doctrine. The church doesn't know its doctrine, but as soldiers, that mentality, that warrior spirit, it's got to know at no place does it go. And I'm going to be mistreated. I'm going to end up with the VA, you know, um, <laughs> healthcare system. And, and, you know, we have a super high, uh, suicide rate and, and I'm going to suffer with PTSD for the rest of my life. There was no part of that. And, or, or, or we're, or we're fighting for a nation that's not worth fighting for. Yeah. 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 It was, it was, it was, I am the American soldier. Yeah. And I, I just, I just wonder why do you, why, why is it that it's one side is selling victimhood the way it is, where I believe that conservatism, which I think runs in line with the gospel mm -hmm. and with biblical truth, says, I am more than an overcomer in Christ Jesus. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I am no longer of a lesser second class uh, race. I am in the race of Christians. The dividing wall between Jews and Gentiles has been dropped and, 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 and leveled by the cross. I am filled with the Holy Spirit. I am empowered. You know, I have the, the authority of the Lord. All of these things build up life, but victimhood just destroys because, it. Because Nathan, if you if 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 we teach, if we teach people to be, as you just described, to be strong, to have that strength, they don't need the government. They well, that would just system. be terrible, Curtis. That's, that's I the, mean, that's the we, point. Would, we would have to go to smaller government. We would have to go <laughs> to less of government in our life. We We'd would, have to go to more freedom. We would probably <laughs> have to have <laughs> less taxes taken yes. out of our own money because now, we, we'd be trusted with our own money. We would probably have, we'd probably have less people in jail. Bingo. And then, and then <laughs> what would we do with such an attitude? I, I, don't, I, know. I don't know if It America sounds terrible. Enjoy, I don't want it. I, I don't, don't want it. that America. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. No, we got to keep them broke. We got to keep them enslaved. We got to keep them wanting for more, begging. I mean, that's that's exactly what's going on. Keep and them. Wait, wait. I got this. We got to keep them broke. We got to keep them woke. Buying into the everlasting joke that is Ooh. liberalism. Oh, hey, Ooh. thank you. Did, did, you, did you just? Do that? <laughs> I just did that just now. Oh man, that's why you get the big bucks. <laughs> there we go. Yep. <laughs> uh, that is uh, copyright Mike Beck with twenty twenty one. So no, I, it's it is fascinating though to hear your your you. I think there's a lot of optimism in what you're saying. I I, I don't walk away from conversation like this thinking, oh man, we're we're doomed. I, I kind of I see it as like, man, if like if guys like you, Curtis and and Nathan and and me and the church, if we just we can do this. I think it's it is we can be that city on a hill once again. And 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 I don't think. We are the most divided that we've ever been in history. I think there's way more that unifies us, the majority of Americans, than there is that divides us. But we're being, I think we're buying into this lie that, man, we are divided. This is the most we've ever been divided in history. And I go back to our, go back through our history. We, we fought a civil war, 700,000 brothers and sons killed each other. In the, in the 1800s. I mean, that was the fabric of our cult, culture and our nation was ripping 
And it was almost, I mean, I think if you would have asked Abraham Lincoln in the darkest hour, do you think this nation will last? He would have said no. If he I, had, I, yeah. I think you're exactly right. The, yeah. the Civil War is the prime example of the divide, but there has been other times, 1968. Yeah, uh, right. It was a very yep, divisive very, very, time. Yep. And that's one of the things that we have to look at. We have to look at those map, those markers on the map uh, to give ourselves an uplifting attitude. Yeah. I mean, I'm very optimistic about what can happen, yeah. but what can happen requires us all to be engaged in the process. Yeah. Uh, but that, uh, you know, those divisions are very, very real and it's very, very uh, necessary for us to work together moving it forward. Yeah. Um, you know, we've got to wrap up here, uh, but want to ask you, uh, you know, not put you on the spot or anything, but you're going to run for office anytime soon or do anything like that? Well, I, I, <laughs> I won't rule anything out. You uh, are a typical politician. No, I, I won't rule anything out. I'm, I'm, That's uh, what I hear you say all the time. <laughs> I'm, 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 I am a typical politician. <laughs> I'm bouncing around. I'm having, I'm having a good time having, uh, I'm, I'm making speeches, uh, talking to people about different things. I mean, one of the things that, that, that I rail on, uh, quite frequently uh, are the, the three, uh, the, the three buzzwords that are out there that, uh, uh, seem innocuous enough, uh, inclusion, diversity, and equity, and explain to people that those are the road to mediocrity. Yeah. Uh, that, uh, you know, inclusion, for example, uh, you know, what does it mean? It means that we're going to let everybody play. And that's like T-ball. Yeah. Uh, you know, if, if, if your objective in life is to just get to play, but you don't want to win championships, then yeah, okay, I guess we're <laughs> yeah. just going to let everybody on the field. <laughs> that's good. But if you want to win the World Series, you put your best people on the field. Yeah. So inclusion is not necessarily a bad thing and, in fact, is a good thing, but excellence is better. And I would rather us be promoting excellence and, and then than simply saying we're just going to include everybody. Yeah. And the same thing with diversity. What is diversity? But diversity means different. Mm -hmm. uh, well, we're all we're, different. You and yeah. I are different. But but out of many, one. Well, in the yeah. context that they're using it, uh, diversity it means um, uh, we're all the same. Uh, or I'm sorry, we're all well, we're all uh, we're all different. Mm -hmm. Well, um, how do we look? You know, I need three more blacks, or mm -hmm. I need a couple more Asians. Um, I don't want my kids picked for something because of how they look. Yeah, I want them picked because they're competent. So mm -hmm. competence or the is content much better of than, their character. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, and 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 the same thing with equity. So well, that goes back to uh, affirmative action. I mean, I remember I remember thinking as a kid when that when that came out, I was like, "You're going to tell me you're going to hire a firefighter not based on the quality of the firefighter, but based on their skin or their, their color. I, that doesn't give me confidence in my community that we're getting the best uh, help when we call the fire department and say, hey, my house on fire, I need, I and need we, help. And we want more minority firefighters. We want more women firefighters. So the key is doing what we can to make sure that they're prepared and ready to go into the shoot. Uh, I don't know a community out there that's not looking to hire more minority police officers. Mm -hmm. um, but the pool of minorities who step into the process shrinks each year. Mm. I spoke to a 15-year-old kid a couple years ago at a program and, and we were going around and, and uh, finding out what the kids wanted to be. And he kind of said jokingly, only he wasn't joking. He said, well, I kind of want to, I want to be a police officer, but I can't. And I said, why can't you? And he said, well, my family wouldn't, wouldn't uh, uh, accept that. Wow. And wow. this was a black kid. His family would ridicule him if he wanted to be a cop. So he had to suppress his desire to be a police officer because it wasn't accepted in the community. Mm, wow. um, and, you know, we got to get away from those types yeah, of things. Yeah. Hey, can I ask a question? Uh, just as because you're, you're a lawyer and um, 
and, and fighting in the way that God's wired you to fight. My favorite Supreme Court justice is Clarence Thomas. Uh-huh. I, I just like you to speak, speak about, you know, what do you think his legacy on the court is? I mean, I, he, he rarely asks any questions at all. And I guess he came out firing in this, in this new format, uh, you know, and there's some very, very big decisions that are going to be made here in, in June, July. I just, just uh, he he gets blasted. I just think, man, what an awesome guy. He's fantastic. But he gets I, blasted. I've got when when we're done here, I'll show you a picture I've got with he and I at the uh, at the Supreme Court building. He's, you know, he's he's really come into his own uh, following the death of Justice Scalia, who he was uh, Scalia rock. In, in his shadow, if mm-hmm. you will, because he didn't really he didn't really say much mm-hmm. along the way. And as you've alluded to or actually stated, uh, he doesn't. He has a reputation for not asking questions, mm-hmm. um, but he's really. Uh, popped onto the scene and been very vocal. He is an uh, outstanding uh, justice, not be, not, and I don't want to say just because he and I are very similarly aligned. I mean, I I don't think there's hardly ever a time when I disagree with the position he mm-hmm. takes, uh, but it, it's because he's consistent. Mm-hmm. His positions, his reasoning, is consistent, even if it's a position that you'll disagree with. Mm-hmm. But he'll have a rational basis for it. Uh, now, sometimes his rational basis, if, they, if he doesn't write the opinion, it may not be known. But from what I've been able to piece together, he always has a consistency in where he's at. And that's what you want from the court. That's that's what we get from our conservative justices. Uh, you know, some people will get upset and say, well, you know, they, they went on there and, and they're not being conservative enough and they're not making the right decisions. Those are people who are stuck in political la-la land. Uh, we want justices. We yeah, we want conservative justices, and we want conservative justice. But we want those men and women who are conservatives to be their conscientious conservatives. We want them to follow the Constitution as they understand it. The other side is far more political, in my view, uh, where you're going to see their ideology play out in their decisions. Mm-hmm. So when we have a decision and and it falls short on what the conservatives want. We have to be mindful that these are still people who believe in the Constitution and they're reasoning well. And it's not we don't we don't just get people who are politically right and get decisions that are politically right. I want my justices to think it through and be consistent. And I think Clarence Thomas, uh, who has been very underrated throughout his career, um, I think he is is um, as he's heading into the twilight of his career, uh, will prove to be one of the finest justices we've ever had. I, I I I really admire him. I, w- I was a teenager when everything happened to him with Anita Hill, and he he said, you know, I'd rather die than pull my name out of this thing. You uh-huh. know, I I don't intend to in any way give ground. It's like it's a scorched earth policy with anybody who we think you should not. Uh-huh. I mean, he's called traitor all the time. He's called Uncle Tom. Uh-huh. All, all these things, and and I you know, my heart goes out because there's an extra battle that you face when people are looking at your skin color, determining what they think you ought to believe. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, you know, just for some, uh, we, we do have, we, we do have, uh, people that are, that are black conservatives that are listening right now and they feel alone. It, what, what would you say to them? Uh, you know, well, I get it because I've, I've, I've been a black conservative for a long, long time and it's a lonely, lonely field, but I'm not a black conservative because I'm black or conservative. I'm, I'm, I, I believe what I believe and I'm not going to change it to fit into a particular community or a particular neighborhood. Mm. Um, um, my approach has been to use my life in a way in which I can make the world around me better. Amen. 
And if if I can do that through the political world, then I'll do that. But it's got to be on my terms, which is how I believe. And uh, conservative, the conservative values that I have, I, I hate using the term conservative. Hmm. I mean, what it really is, I mean, it, it's a shortened way of describing that I believe in family. I believe in faith. I believe in, 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 in strong education. Um, the things that will thrive and drive this country. Um, so it, it's imperative that that those who are who are conservative but shy away from it to step up, find a friend, find a way to engage, and and be proud of the fact that you've got a a belief system that is the bona fide belief system that will save this country. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's at stake. I, I you know notwithstanding the Civil War, notwithstanding 1968 and other divisive time periods, you add the feeling that's out there today with the 24-7 news cycle that doesn't play for us, mm-hmm. um, with the social media content, which doesn't play well for us. Um, you've got things at work that are absolutely destructive. And uh, we've only got a few years to turn this around. Mm-hmm. And 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 I'm not saying that the, that the Republicans in Congress are any much more of a help than, than anything else. I think this is a people movement. This mm-hmm. has got to be people at the grassroots level identifying what they believe in and holding all elected officials accountable. Amen. Mm-hmm. Hold yeah. them all accountable. Um, make them own where they are. I'm just as disappointed from about Republicans as I am Dem- Democrats. I expect them to do the shenanigans they're doing. Yeah. But yeah. I expect Republicans to stand up and fight. And not just fight for the sake of fighting, but fight with logic, with reason, mm-hmm. With, mm-hmm. with good sense. Uh, and persuade those that are in the middle to say, yeah, there's a reason why you want to go mm-hmm. with us. I well, I mean, and on that word Republican, you know, I would I would always say I'm I'm uh, I'm I'm a conservative before I'm a Republican, mm-hmm. right? Um, I, I've I've liked that terminology of of it just because it's short and basically people figure out where you are. But I've kind of feel the same way about the word Christian. Mm-hmm. I, I you know Christian used to mean something mm-hmm. today. I don't know if Christian even means anything. I've, I've been saying I'm a Jesus follower. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. or, to try. Or, or, you know, I tell people I read I read my Bible. I mean, I go to church every week, but I'm I'm not into the legalistic aspects of you got to do this, you yeah. got to do that. And so when I see that, I kind of I kind of cringe a little bit because it's it's you know the the first question you want to ask is is it in there? Mm-hmm. And and so much of what we do in church uh, is not in the Bible. That doesn't mean it's bad. And it doesn't mean you can't do it, but don't hang your hat on it as mm-hmm. if it were the be all end all. And so from my perspective, the best thing that a person can do is understand the word by reading, studying, practicing. Um, that's far, far greater than going into a church pulpit and, or, or a, a church pew and just listening to a sermon and then getting up and walking out. Mm-hmm. Now, it's better than nothing. But the best thing to do is to study it for yourself and, and engage and then go up there and ask the pastor questions. Yeah. Hey, what about this? I've got a friend who I meet with on a regular basis and, and I'll ask him questions. Uh, he's a longtime pastor and I'll ask him questions and, and well, what about such and such and this and that? And and it's an interesting conversation because through that question and answering process, it strengthens our, our faith and strengthens our revol- resolve that we can solve these problems. Mm, that's that's exactly right. 
Well, I, I don't want to cut this short, but I have to because, uh, you know, this is kind of the end mark. But, but Curtis, thank you so much for being on. This was truly an honor to have you on. Thanks, and, buddy. And you bring great perspective. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've had the privilege of speaking with Curtis in different events, and I've always been impressed with how you deliver the message, what the message is, and then just your, your authenticity. So thanks for, thanks for what you're doing, and keep it up. And um, if, you, if you like what you hear, subscribe and like us on uh, any, the podcast, whatever form you're listening to this give us a five-star rating it helps us uh helps us in the algorithms here and subscribe and yeah. once again uh 30 uh 31st of october and the first of november yep. we're going to be having an event at life church yep. and uh curse is going to be there yeah curse love, 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 there. love yeah. to have you there man yeah. and thank you man it's been an honor to meet you and 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 yeah. to hear uh you know the banter of where people live you know how mm-hmm. how can we 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 do have a messaging problem, yes. and we 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 need to learn to say it better. And mm-hmm. it's it's still uh it's still the we got to get the truth across in love. Yeah. But we need to be led by the truth, believing our compassion follows yes. our view of the truth. It's not sometimes I think uh, we we heard it said uh, recently. You know we have a malevolent compassion that's driving us. Because that it's 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 not based in truth, mm-hmm. right? And we got the cart before the horse, mm-hmm. and and we need to rearrange those things. So We're it's great, being, yeah. great to hear your uh, the the way that you articulate, helping us to to come back to our mm-hmm. senses. Yeah. Well, I'm glad to be here. I appreciate the opportunity, and I will be back, fellas. Just say the word. Yeah, yeah. cool. Thank Thanks, you, man. man. Appreciate Thank it. You. Appreciate it. So, hey, thanks for listening. This has been Jesus, Sex, and Politics. I'm Micah. And I'm Nathan. We talk about all those things culture doesn't want to talk about. That will scare you. We'll see you next time. See ya.